This is the Weekly Bull and Bear by WealthVest, a podcast for financial professionals. Each week, your hosts, Drew Dawkin and Grant Collins, will have an in-depth conversation on what's happening in the markets. Hello, everybody. Today is Wednesday. It's November 11th, Veterans Day. We are looking at the market. Remain pretty flat today. Of course, there's been some wild news uh, over the last week, last couple of days in the aftermath of the election. And also when we're looking at a potential vaccine, which we'll, we'll talk about later. Uh, but, you know, so, I mean, what we saw was, you know, like I said, pretty flat, pretty flat numbers down was slightly down um, 0.08%. NASDAQ was NASDAQ was up today. And then the U.S. 10-year remained unchanged at 0.977%, which is uh, slightly slightly above. I mean, it's been going up at a good clip for the last couple of weeks um, from, from what it was previously. But Grant, do you have anything that we should be looking at? Any movers and shakers today? Absolutely. And I just want to echo your uh, your Veterans Day. So thanks to all the veterans out there. Uh, happy Veterans Day. Uh, now on uh, a little bit on the market, we did see the VIX decrease by uh, 5%. So uh, less volatility in the market today. And as you mentioned, we did see the NASDAQ jump. And that's because we saw large movements in the, in the large tech sector. So Apple gained about 3%, Netflix up a little over 2 Facebook and Amazon rose. We did see uh, American Express fall by a little over 4%. That was the reason why the, the Dow was a little lower, as you mentioned, Drew. And uh, Boeing and Disney both lost about 3%. You know, Wednesday today, the 11th, we did see strong back-to-back sessions. Uh, the last uh, couple days on the Dow really sparked by the, the Pfizer announcement on the vaccine. Yeah, and let's talk about that vaccine a little bit. Um, so, for starters, there was a lot of evaluation that, you know, Fauci, um, especially in particular, said that if a vaccine was 50 to 60% effective, we should consider that an effective vaccine. The, the new news from Pfizer shows that it might have, you know, 90% um, efficacy. Uh, so, it certainly seems like it is going to be by and large clearing you know whatever our standards of suitability is by by a lot and we saw it was the biggest rally in five months after you know pfizer posted this news it's it's fantastic news and i think the street saw it as a sign that the the pharmaceutical industry may be sooner to a vaccine uh, than we thought that said Experts are still cautious because Pfizer still needs to win approval for the vaccine. It still needs a lot more data. And then also doses will initially only be available to a small population as they begin to produce it and and test it on, on other controlled populations. I think what's really surprising is the rally that we saw after the uh, announcement because it, it was largely expected. There were other companies, Pfizer included, that have been developing these vaccines and were signaling that November was the announcement on uh, or, or updates for that matter. But we saw the, the market really take off, especially around uh, the, the companies that 
would have suffered the most from the quarantine. So we saw airlines jump. We saw the banking sector jump as well as energy. And then a lot of the stay at home stocks, your Zooms, your Spotify, uh, Shopify and your Netflix all decrease. Uh, so we, we did see a, a lot of movement based on the vaccine announcement. Yeah, it's going to be, you know, fundamental interests that a lot of these things that have been built on kind of pent up uh, consumer outlets. Right. I mean, they can only do stuff online. Um, that's going to really start to wane. Um, and we saw, you know, we, we saw a big big changes due to that. I mean, the e-brokerages were, you know, reporting all those outages um, once the Dow jumped. But but yeah, I mean, you know, you, you saw on Monday shares of Zoom fall and um, other things like, you know, Teladoc Health, uh, Amazon, Netflix, um, pretty much pretty much anything that is uh, remote and, and online. Can you imagine being a, a retail investor on Robinhood, Fidelity, and Schwab and on the biggest movers of the year? We saw this in March, too, where there was record market volatility and you, you have shortages in your apps um, and you really don't get an answer why. I mean, those brokerage, <laughs> those brokerage yeah. services got to figure it out because uh, it would be nice to know why. Is, is it a complete volume issue, um, especially Robinhood, because we did see more of the uh, more relatively new traders to, on Robinhood. Uh, but I think you're absolutely right. The stay-at-home stocks got crushed on the vaccine news overall. Uh, but it's funny, based on our last podcast, uh, when we had drawn capital on uh, to really go into the text, I, I think they provided some good insight, uh, especially relating to Zoom, Zoom being a better video conference platform. And with the growth of people working from home, we have seen some large corporations announce that they may move to a permanent. So Zoom may, may be here to stay. And and Teladoc is another service that I, that I think instead of having to to go to an urgent care facility or see your primary to be able to get on the phone with someone rather quickly, I think we could see those rally in the short future. Mm -hmm. No, no, I, I definitely agree. One thing that I guess we were kind of baking into the kick that didn't really pan out when we looked at the market this last week was the election. Um, you know, a lot of investment banks had obviously looked at it in the way of there would be a blue wave across the board. Uh, we would have flipped the Senate. The Democrats would have flipped the Senate, um, would have taken the presidency. And they were even looking at buffering up the House of Representatives a little bit. They were looking at gaining anywhere between six to ten seats. They will, in fact, be losing seats, and they are shy in the Senate. We have the Georgia runoff in January, but it's going to be very tough for Democrats to clinch one. Um, never mind both of those seats they would need to have the Senate changers be split at 50-50 with uh, Kamala Harris, you know, being the recently elected vice president, and then she'd be the tiebreaker in order to take over the Senate. Um, that being said, we didn't really see a big sell-off. We saw the market go up following the election news, even though there's going to be some policy paralysis, um, we're certainly not going to be able to be seeing, you know, some of the stimulus measures the Democrats have been talking about throughout the election, you know, three, $3 trillion. Um, there might be an infrastructure bill, but it's not going to be nearly as grandiose as it would have been if it was uh, just uh, the Democrats in charge, I think. So there will have to be a series of compromises, um, 
and I just hope that it's not, you know, the last two years of the Obama administration functionally because, uh, you know, if these guys are just bickering and they can't agree on anything, um, as has been the case with the world's greatest deliberative body uh, for a long, long time, <laughs> uh, I'm going to be pissed. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Can't, can't blame you on that one. And, and who would have thought bickering coming out of Capitol Hill? I, I, just to go back for a second, it's just amazing how the pollsters got the election wrong. Uh, again, they're really failing to forecast a lot of the results uh, in, in, in the Senate races as well as the House races. And even President Trump did a lot better than than the polls were indicating. So uh, we, we, we did see Wall Street rally. My two cents on it is I think it was based really on two things with the Senate still con- likely to control the Senate. We're not really going to see that tax uh, corporate in- tax rate increase that, that Biden was campaigning on. And then also uh, less regulation with, with the Senate there too, because there could have been a lot more uh, antitrust to the large tech companies. But that said, we, Biden has, has mentioned that. Drew, I think you're absolutely right that we are going to see we're going to have to see some type of compromise on a, another stimulus package, not the three trillion, maybe in the 500 billion to one trillion, uh, looking more like the the proposal or the package that the GOP was proposing. Uh, but really, it's it's there's going to be uncertainty to get passed, and then also I think the timing of it is going to be something that. Uh, is is we won't see until maybe january february uh and, and even then as you said we, we could be in a gridlock if we don't get a, a stimulus package what do you think some people are calling for the federal reserve for more monetary help drew what can the what can the central bank do because we've already seen them, them do so much with the quantitative easing what what more could they do i mean i don't think much and they they've indicated you know, that to a similar tune. Um, I mean, ultimately, what I think it is, and this comes to both when we're talking about fiscal policy, Congress doesn't want to do their job. Uh, but even when you look at legislation like Obamacare, um, they punted it back to the Supreme Court for what? I mean, God knows how many times. Uh, and then, you know, you had um, you had John Roberts pretty much say, you know, this isn't a political football. Um, and, and Congress just doesn't want to do their job. So they, they're looking for the Fed to juice the economy, and they're looking for the Supreme Court to shut down bills that uh, they don't want to make a political stand on, that they might want to get rid of or they might want to implement. So, I mean, it's just uh, they're, they're ultimately going to have to find a way. Um, otherwise, you're just going to have the executive branch try and steamroll through a handful of executive orders, um, which won't be long lasting, but you know, we'll, we'll be able to bolster something maybe within the interim next, uh, two years or so, but yeah, you're not going to have any real robust or solid legislation. And, um, I, I know there's a lot of people who like policy paralysis, but, uh, I, I think if, if you were to take a careful look at what the country's done over the last 30 years in terms of, uh, I mean, whether what we want to talk about our infrastructure, any of our big social metric standings across the globe, uh, I think it's important to consider that because uh, we are certainly, certainly 
in a weaker situation across a number of metrics. Uh, and, and I really think we're a country in decline. So, uh, and I put a lot of the blame on our uh, legislature branch for that. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. And I, I do hope that we're able to get some stimulus because there are folks that, that, that are hurting. And I don't think the Fed is going to be able to do enough really to look at the unemployment numbers that we're seeing. And, and yes, we did see uh, in October that the rate fell from um, 7.9% to 6.9%. Um, more more non-farm jobs were, were added just above 600,000 uh, jobs. And really, I, I think one of the indicators that's getting lost is the long-term unemployment. So a period of joblessness lasting more than 27 weeks or, or six months, and that number is drastically, uh, quickly accelerating. And that can be really dangerous for a lot of households. Uh, Drew, what's your take on the the increasing rate on long-term unemployment? Sure. Um, when we look at Friday, the Bureau of Labor Statistics uh, stated that about a third of the uh, roughly 11 million jobless workers are w- what's defined as long-term unemployed. Um, so, one that's that's a big jump from a prior month uh, when when it was 19% of the unemployed were out of work for at least six months. So we're not looking at people who were temporarily furloughed or are we're not really looking at very elastic market conditions, right? So. Uh, it's going to be a lot harder for them to to find jobs, um, uh, you know, just just because they've been out of the game for a bit. And, um, you know, as we were just talking about, uh, we're looking at the Federal Cares Act and everything else um, that's 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 running on fumes. So uh, they're there. These people are in you know, a very tough uh, economic situation. Um, and and yeah, it's certainly going to be certainly going to be difficult getting them back into the labor force. I think you're absolutely right. We we saw that those 600 weekly enhanced benefits really were was a cash buffer uh, in the spring and the summer, as, as some would like to say it. And now with, with those ending, we're seeing workers have to really jump into their savings, which is uh, not great if we think about trying to save for retirement as well as just uh, n- not digging into your to your savings. And I, a point that you made that I think is absolutely right. If you're out of work for, for six months, it's definitely harder to find a new job. Uh, you don't have the same network that you had. Your skills may be a little bit dated. Uh, and also and employers are less likely to hire someone that's been out of the workforce for so long. So I, I think you're absolutely right. It's it's a number that we should continue to, to look out for because as that continues to increase, that could be a segment of the population who drastically needs that stimulus bill sooner rather than later. And um, I mean, we've also, we, we also got to put productivity in context too. Um, you know, despite the fact that we've got people off the sidelines uh, or still, or still unemployed, we, we've seen productivity increase sharply in the third quarter, uh, which is a good thing. Um you know, we, we're, we still might be looking at some uh, tame wage inflation, um, but, you know, when we're looking at, you know, unit labor costs and other metrics, um, you know, non-farm par- uh, farm productivity uh, increased at 4.9% on an annualized rate last quarter, uh, which is which is solid. 
Absolutely. It, 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 whenever you're coming out of a contraction in the second quarter to see strong GDP growth as well as productivity uh, to continue to increase still in a recessionary or, or really pandemic environment, uh, increased productivity is always a, a good signal. Yeah. In fact, it, uh, this represented the you know fastest quarter since um, 1971. And I guess to end on you know somewhat of an international trade element, uh, we saw Xi Jinping, um, you know, China's president, is definitely opening up uh, agreements across a wide variety of countries um, that are in the early stages of signing the Regional Comprehensive Economic Partnership. Uh, they're looking at speeding up negotiations between uh, China and Japan. So, uh, while we've been kind of isolationist, uh, China has been increasingly trying to use their clout and, and form um, trade agreements, you know, in the interim period. And, and we'll see how successful they are. Um, because, I mean, at the end of the day, we're, we're no longer quite a unipolar world. We're, we're definitely, I think, kind of back into a bipolar um, framework. So people need either trade agreements with us or the Chinese. And that's just uh, as simple as simple as that. It was a really interesting tactic, or not really tactic, but message uh, that that we haven't seen from from China before. Uh, it looks like they realized that they, being the second largest economy, now are looking or had tried to shift from not just being suppliers, but also to be uh, buyers in the marketplace, and they're really trying to get foreign business in investment. Two of the big things that I will be looking at is is he announced that they were going to have new initiatives around improving intellectual property protection. And that has been a big uh, thorn in, in the side of the American and Chinese trade relations. And then also uh, reducing the restrictions on imports of technologies. So th those are two really big ones that have uh, been at the forefront of the tensions with the U.S. So i would be interesting to see what those intellectual property protections, because that's really has been the biggest one for me so far. Yeah, and he certainly indicated that China was also going to be taking a more active role in multilateral institutions, uh, whether that's them playing a role in the World Trade Organization and reforms, um, working with the United Nations, G20, and uh, a host of other, you know, international orgs. So, um, you know, they're they're definitely looking into that. And as you mentioned, uh, China wants to portray themselves as a buyer as well. And we saw, you know, in 2018, the Chinese had an international import exposition, um, which, you know, they were just really highlighting, highlighting their economy as one that's becoming increasingly consumer based. And with that, Grant, uh, anything we should be on the lookout for this coming week? Anything we might have... Um, overlooked? I think a big one uh, that we will probably talk about in the future um, and may be moving more domestic is Europe charges Amazon with the antitrust violations. Um, so they, they accused the uh, e-commerce giant of exploiting data from third-party merchants to boost its own sales. We've seen this uh, before from Europe where they uh, targeted uh, Google for the search engine, and now they're going after an, another uh, large tech 
company. So uh, be on the lookout for that. Uh, we also did see Spotify agree to buy a megaphone, a podcast ad uh, tech company. We, we did see Spotify shines uh, uh, Joe Rogan earlier this year as well for, for a large sum. So it looks like Spotify is making a, a big splash in the uh, podcast world. Uh, so just an interesting fact there for, for all the people who get their podcast on Spotify. What about you, Drew? Yeah, I, I'd like to, I mean, the election's over, but we're, appears we're going to be in a long, drawn-out legal process um, over several different states, so we'll see how that plays out. I think cabinet picks are really going to have a big effect on the market, um, and, 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 and Biden's, uh, President-elect Biden's ability to get those through a Republican uh, Senate. So, you know, I think if it was a Democrat-controlled Senate, you know, you might see Elizabeth Warren as um, finance secretary. I, I, I don't see that uh, currently in this world. <laughs> so uh, those picks are going to be very interesting, and they're going to say a lot about uh, the next two years rolling into the 2022 midterms. So, um, yeah, anything on the Hill is going to be a big deal the next few months. Um, and with that, uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Um, please like and subscribe. We'll be back next week, and we're out. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the hosts and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of WealthFest. The mere appearance of content on the site does not constitute an endorsement by WealthFest. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. WealthFest does not make any representation or warranties with respect to accuracy, applicability, fitness, or completeness of the content. WealthFest does not warrant the performance, effectiveness, or applicability of any sites listed or linked in any of the content. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.